My name is David Lugo Robles, and the future of machine learning for geophysics is a powerful tool that can help us to better understand the subsurface, resulting in a more comprehensive reservoir characterization for either oil and gas, geothermal, or carbon capture and storage. Welcome to SEG Seismic Sound Off, conversations with geoscientists addressing the challenges of energy, water, and climate. I'm your host, Andrew Gary. In this second episode in a row exploring machine learning, David Lua Robles highlights his award-winning paper that utilized novel machine learning methods to enhance interpretability and in seismic volume data from the Gulf of Mexico. David discusses the power of two open source tools, Shop and Lime. David takes us through his team's research that led to being honored for their work and also shares his journey into geophysics. You will gain insight into the critical role of input quality and machine learning outcomes, the importance of balancing data sets, and the necessity of geoscientific validation, i.e. people. The episode also addresses common misconceptions about machine learning and geophysics, emphasizing the need for critical thinking and geological knowledge to apply these advanced techniques. Please check out the show notes to read David's award-winning paper and learn more about Shop and Lime. And now, my conversation with David Lua Robles. We initially, I initially heard from you on LinkedIn uh, when you were celebrating your honorable mention in the category of best paper in interpretation. So it's an honor to speak with you to talk about the paper that was highlighted there, but also more generally machine learning and geophysics. But let's start with what made you interested in the field of geophysics? Well, thank you, Andrew, for the invitation. I'm glad to be here. Well, I, when I was a kid, I was always interested in the earth in general. And also about energy, you know, how energy was found. So then in high school, I was talking with one of my professors about this, this, this topic, you know, about my, my career interest. And he mentioned geophysics, you know, as a career. So, well, I investigated about the topic a little bit. Uh, and here I am. I already did a bachelor, a master, and a PhD in geophysics. So, <laughs> Yeah, you said you, you are now in your postdoc at OU. You got, you got your PhD almost a couple of year and a half ago now in May of 2022. So congratulations on that as well. You know, this particular paper that that was honored was one of the harder papers for me to kind of wrap my mind around. I was I was reading it multiple times. How would you briefly explain what this paper set out to do? Sure. So in this paper, my co-authors and I, what we did is to apply a technical shop that was developed in the machine learning community as a means to enhance the interpretability of machine learning models. You know, we wanted to differentiate between three target seismic phases. In this case, we have a seismic volume in the Gulf of Mexico, and we wanted to distinguish between man's transport deposit, uh, salt appears, and the background siliciclastic sediments. But beyond applying the technique, we actually wanted to understand what is happening behind the technique, how the technique, the, the architecture in this case, the machine learning architecture, is using the inputs to make the predictions, you know. We also did a sensitivity analysis. Uh, in this case, we have the original seismic volume, and we also changed the signal-to-noise ratio to increase and decrease the, the signal-to-noise ratio to understand how the quality of the inputs affect the, the results. Uh, what we found at the end is like using SHAP, 
we definitely can enhance the interpretability. We can understand like the set of rules. That's a, the term that we use in, in the paper that the machine, the, the architect or the machine learning architecture used to, to make the, the final predictions. And we also found that the seismic attribute important is dynamic. You know, it, it changes based on the quality of the input and also which are your target faces, your target labels in the, in the classification. Yeah, I think that would be intuitive for a lot of people. It's always nice when that is discovered and, and confirmed when you're doing this work. And you mentioned SHOP there. This paper introduced me to two new acronyms in addition to SHOP was LIME, L-I-M-E. What are these acronyms and how do they contribute to using machine learning for geophysics? Correct. So LIME, it means Local Interpretable Model Agnostic Explanation, and SHAP means Shably Additive Explanation. So in in summary, what, what they are, they both techniques, what they do is try to explain the machine learning architecture. So in line works more at the local level, let's say. Uh, it just uh, allows to understand like a particular area of interest. In SHAP, what we have is like, we have both options. We have the local interpretability and we can also have a global analysis. The, the way that I like to see, to think about this, this global interpretability is like, it gives me like a big picture, you know, it gives like the, okay, these are the general trends or the most important attributes for the general classification. And then at the local level, you can go on and analyze a certain area, in this case, in the, in the seismic volume. So I believe these techniques are useful in machine learning because it, it, it helps us to understand what is happening behind the technique, you know, uh, better understanding of the technique, we can also make a better uh, assessment of the certainty in the subsurface and at the end make better decisions. Yeah, I think that's a good point there. You can't just take any any data, anything that you're having, filter it through machine learning. Machine learning is going to fix all of the things happening uh, that you're putting in. And, and you mentioned a question b- before about the role of inputs being very important to the work. So when you're using these role of inputs, inputs, you know, as we stated, it's going to impact the machine learning results. What were the inputs you used in this study and, and how did they impact those results on the back end? Okay, so well, we have a seismic volume in the Gulf of Mexico. So what, what we did is to compute nine seismic attributes. They represent a mathematical operation uh, to try to extract patterns in the seismic volume. In this case, we're using a combination of attributes that are measuring changes in energy, measure, measure uh, changes in the reflector configuration, uh, in changes in the frequency of the seismic, and also changes in the seismic textures, like the patterns you can see there. So with these nine seismic attributes, we train a machine learning architecture, and in this particular case, it was a random forest architecture, to differentiate between, between these three seismic phases that I mentioned before. And then we apply SHAP to understand them. So as I said, we also perform this sensitivity analysis to, to try to see, okay, what happens if, if the seismic attributes have more or less noise? And what we found is like, yeah, it's critical that you understand which attribute might be better based on your situation. You know? There was something that happened where the algorithm misclassified certain areas of interest. What steps did you take after discovering that that was happening? Yes, no, definitely... Um, when, when you train a, a machine learning architecture, you, you have a certain degree of accuracy. You know, well, the first, the first step that we did is like to balance the data set. It means that we have the same number of samples per phases. So if we have three phases, for example, in this case, we have, let's say, a thousand samples per phases. We have more, more than that in the paper. It's just an, an example. So, so um, what we did is like we trained the accuracy was between 81 to 92%. Accuracy, depending on, on the signal-to-noise ratio of the inputs. 
And then what we determined is like, okay, we actually wanted to happen what, what was happening in these misclassified areas. You know, we were expecting them. So what we did is like, okay, let's analyze the area in general. We have these dipping conformal reflectors close to the cell that appears that were misclassified as mass transport deposits or, or even salt in some areas by the algorithm. And we also have, uh, and on top of the salt appears, we have these multiple seismic multiples, is a type of seismic noise that was misclassified and that were misclassified as uh, NTDs or conformal sediments as well. So what we did is like, okay, let's apply SHAP to understand what is happening in these misclassified areas. Why did you expect, you kind of mentioned, it sounded to me in that response, like you, this wasn't unexpected. You know, why did you expect that maybe some of these areas would be misclassified? Yes. Uh, so as you said, like, um, it's not like machine learning is going to solve all the problems. You know, it's not, it's not a magical tool. First, we know the accuracy between 81 to 92%. It's not 100% accuracy. We don't expect 100% accuracy. So we know that some areas are going to be misclassified. And also, we have to understand that we are using seismic data. It's an indirect measurement. There is always some sort of, some degree of uncertainty in the subsurface. And that's what we see with these misclassifications. You know, the key point here is like, this is a model that we can use to better understand the area. And we as a geoscientist, we need to address the uncertainty. You know, we have to use our geological knowledge to validate these results. You know, this paper was awarded the honorable mission and the best paper for interpretation category. What do you think stood out in this paper to the judges? First, I would like to acknowledge my co-authors for their work and also to Interpretation, Editorial Board, and DSEG for the recognition. So uh, I would say that one of the limitations that we have in machine learning is um, to, to actually have a wide adoption of machine learning in subsurface. It's like some people see these techniques uh, as a black box, you know, like that you give an input and it magically produces an output. So I think that if uh, using SHAP uh, as a tool to interpret this model, to try to enhance what is happening or try to understand what is happening be- behind these techniques is what is stood out, you know, for, for, the, for the judges. I think it's an important step that geoscientists can apply this workflow to understand the model better. And based on the understanding, try to tie these possible areas or with the geology, with these possible results with the geology, I would say. Finally, I think that try to understand better this model, trying to understand it and trying to enhance the interpretability of this model is, is, is key for wide adoption of machine learning in subsurface. It's very, very important. What's one misconception in your opinion that people often have about using machine learning within geophysics? Well, I would say there are two sides of this spectrum. You know, um, the first one is some people think that because machine learning use advanced math and they take a lot of time for training with powerful computers, they are always correct, they're always right. So the models should be perfect. So and that's not the case. And the other, and other people that definitely do, do not believe in machine learning in general, you know. So I, I think that in both cases, we need to understand that this, this machine learning is a powerful tool. It will give you a model of the subsurface it's important that you understand how to train it correctly, what inputs to use, you know. And at the end, with this result, it's our responsibility as a geoscientist to, to address uncertainty and try to, to validate these results as best as possible. What is oversimplified about the use of machine learning? Well, you mentioned it. Like, I would say that thinking that machine learning will solve all your issues uh, and it doesn't matter what architecture or what inputs do you use, it will always give you a good result. It's very 
important to think critically, you know, what architecture is the best one, which are the best inputs for a certain task. You know, it can be seismic phase classification or other tasks in, in particular. So it depends on what is your goal. Is there a, a common resource or, or reference tool for individuals you've mentioned, you know, throughout this conversation, machine learning architecture, to discover the various forms of architecture you could use in a study, whether it's shop, whether it's something else where someone could see if something better fits the data that they have? Well, that's, I would say that's part of the training. You know, like a lot of the machine learning process, I would say is like picking your data correctly. Uh, and then you can test different, different approaches that sometimes are not easy as it sounds. Also, it's like some, something called hyperparameter search. So you, you optimize your parameters to try to, to see what are the best hyperparameters for the model? What, what increases the accuracy for, of the model for your task? Also, I, w- I, w- I would like to say that SHAP is a technique to understand the machine learning architecture. The machine learning architecture, it can be, in this case, a random forest, but there are, there are also deep neural networks and other architectures in, in general. I would say besides the data, it's important to know, okay, what do, we, what do I want to do? Like, for example, do I want to distinguish in phases? I want to perform a classification. Uh, maybe I want to differentiate between faulted areas and non-faulted areas. Maybe I actually want to do a regression to predict some sort of well lock. Uh, I don't know. It depends on the task. And based on what your goal, you you need to determine, okay, which are the best inputs, how to select the data, and then which architecture might be the best one. What's the question nobody is asking? Oh, that's a difficult question, I would say. It's a, a really good one. I would say that seismic interpretation can be very subjective. You know, like even in the same area, different geoscientists might have a slight different interpretation, let's say. So I think it's, I would like to know, is there a way to, to incorporate that uncertainty in the, in the interpretations as part of the machine learning architecture? You know, is there a way that we can input that in the, in the training phase? So I would say that's one of the key questions that we need to ask. What do you want to know about this issue that you don't already know? Well, about this uncertainty, uh, well, what is the most optimal way, you know, like maybe create some sort of average between the interpretations in the training phase, you know, or maybe just um, optimize the hyperparameters based on the geology. For example, use a different window size instead of your typical 64, 64, 64, or 128, 128, if you're into the, uh, maybe something that is um, with a different architecture, like different and like different sizes for the horizontal and the vertical to try to make more sense of how the geology behaves or how the faults behave in the seismic data. I don't know, it is, uh, as I said, it's a tough question for sure. We'll link to the, to the paper in, in the show notes to this episode. But what challenge would you like to leave the listener from this conversation? I would say that machine learning is not magic. You know, it will not solve all your problems. Uh, I think it's important to think critically what is your task. And based on that, what is the best architecture? What are the best inputs? This is also not about using machine learning because it's a cool technique, you know, uh, um, and everyone is talking about AI and machine learning in, in these days, you know. It's about thinking and uh, uh, acknowledging that this machine learning is a powerful tool if it's used correctly, you know. So finally, there is some, as I said before, there is always some sort of degree of uncertainty in the subsurface, and we need to, to address that uh, as best as possible. You know, geophysics is 
is always on the cutting edge of technology and technology is a, a key driver of how geophysics has grown through the decades. Do you see an, uh, a parallel to something in the past that was also viewed as like, this is going to solve all our problems that might be instructive as geophysics and machine learning kind of work work out together over the next few few years? Yes, definitely. Uh, I I learned a lot uh, during my master and PhD and also my undergrad about seismic attributes, you know. So there was a, a moment, in, I don't know, 40 years ago, that seismic attributes were very common. And then when we transitioned from the 2D to the 3D space, they some people didn't believe in seismic attributes at some point, you know, that some, some, some areas also in like geology became more complicated. It wasn't easy to drill just in, in bright spots. You actually... Uh, need to to understand better what is happening. So some based on the history of seismic attributes, some people lost like the interest in seismic attributes, and then at some point they became used again, like popular again in the early two thousands. You know when spectral decomposition came out and coherence also with um, some advanced algorithms developed by by Dr. Marfur, one of my PhD advisors, by the way. So I would say that that might be something that is that is happening in machine learning. You know you need to to understand that, as I said, it's a powerful tool, but you need to to use it correctly. You know, it's not like okay, I'm gonna run a hundred seismic attributes and, and and let's see what happens. No, you need to think critically. Okay, do I need all these attributes? Maybe I just need couple attributes that are measuring energy and maybe some other attributes that are measuring texture. You know, you you, you need to to try to always apply your genetic knowledge when you use machine learning. Lastly, here, if you had to describe your journey in one word, what would it be and why? I would say rewarding, you know. Uh, I have always believed that hard work and discipline will help me to accomplish all my goals, you know. I have, I have applied all these values throughout my whole career. Uh, I would like to this paper interpretation to be like a guide for future geoscientists to, to better use machine learning in general for their workflows. And hopefully this paper and these this techniques can help them to better understand the subsurface and, and make yeah, better decisions. Is there anything I should have asked you that I did not? No, I think it was a very comprehensive interview, to be honest. Thank you very much, Andrew. I appreciate this opportunity. I'm glad to be here with you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Seismic Sound Off. SCG creates these episodes to celebrate and inspire the geophysicists of today and tomorrow. Visit scg.org to learn more. Email the show at podcast at scg.org. This episode was hosted, edited, and produced by me, Andrew Gary, at TreasureMet. The SCG podcast team is Jennifer Cobb, Kathy Gamble, and Ali McGinnis. The podcast will return next week with a new episode. Until then, this is Seismic Sound Off, signaling off.